Do you suffer from numbness, tingling, burning, or pain in your feet and legs? It could be caused by something as simple and common as a vitamin B1 deficiency. This is Dr. Ronald Hoffman with a solution for low B1, Zobria by O'Share Health. Zobria is a safe, effective, and clinically proven nutritional supplement containing a high-potency bioactive form of vitamin B1, which has been shown to reverse symptoms caused by low B1 with no side effects. Low B1 causes your nerve cells in your feet and legs to stop functioning properly. may also contribute to forgetfulness, loss of mental focus, fatigue, and loss of appetite. Restoring proper B1 levels has been shown to reverse these symptoms. You can get Zobria now with new lower pricing, risk-free, by going to Z-O-B-R-I-A dot com or by calling 1-855-ZOBRIA-8. That's Zobria.com or 1-855-962-7428. Get 20% off the new lower price with coupon code Hoffman at checkout plus free shipping. Zobria.com. Vitamin B1 perfected. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. We have uh, a very interesting program in store for you today. You know, we're departing a little bit from uh, our usual format because, you know, this program is about uh, diet, nutrition, and uh, intelligent medicine, the best of high tech, the best of natural therapies. Uh, Today, we're going to take a little bit of a departure. We're going to talk about anger, and uh, there's, there's some good reasons for that. Uh, because anger takes a toll. It's known that uh, the physiology of anger is very bad for us. It uh, ranks up there with uh, smoking uh, and uh, poor diet, uh, lack of exercise as a major cardiovascular risk factor. Uh, and in fact, the type A personality, it's not just someone who's uh, fastidious and uh, works really hard. Uh, a might stand for anger according to the latest research in terms of being a major cardiovascular risk. Uh, These times are very angry and polarized. Uh, Social media and politics monetize anger. They they actually attempt to stoke our emotions in service of uh, our consumer society or to get uh, people to push the button for one or another candidate. Uh, And uh, how many family discussions will result in arguments? about politics, about perceived slights. Uh, so this is a very, very timely podcast. Uh, with me today sure. is uh, Christian Conti. Uh, Christian uh, is a licensed professional counselor, a certified domestic violence counselor. I didn't even know there's such an entity. He's also a level five anger management specialist. That's like having a black belt in anger management. That's the highest level uh, you can attain. <laughs> Uh, from the National Anger Management Association. Uh, I guess it's referred to as NAMA. <laughs> okay. Uh, and his, yeah. uh, his innovative uh, yield theory, which we'll get into, uh, has resulted in training that has generated successful results for even violent criminals in family therapy, uh, for professional athletes. And, man, yeah, there's a lot of anger uh, on the field. Uh, he's got a great website at drchristianconti.com. Dot com. You can find out more. Uh, Christian, it's really a pleasure having you on Intelligent Medicine. By the way, your book, uh, Walking Through Anger, A New Design for Confronting Conflict in an Emotionally Charged World, is, is a great read. Uh, I just completed it. So Thank welcome you. to the program. <clears throat> Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay. Well, uh, you know, give us a little uh, background uh, on yourself. because I mean, uh, I've not met you in person, but you 
frankly, you look like a little bit of a physically intimidating guy. I mean, you got this, uh, you know, <laughs> you're like big, you're, you're a big, strong guy. You look like a, basically a retired football player. Uh, you know, right, your, your right, arms right, are right. tattooed. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I, I don't think I'd want to meet you in a dark alley, but you're actually a guy who specializes in diffusing precisely the situations that result in uh, anger and violence. Exactly, exactly. So I'm, uh, yeah, I'm six feet, two hundred and fifty pound, bald guy with a beard and tie. I look like everybody else in a biker bar, probably. You're probably mm-hmm. you on a biker bar. You I can see you on a Harley. Yeah. But, right. <laughs> But uh, now, you know, I, I love what I do and I, and I lead with compassion. It's not about trying to intimidate anyone. I think, look, at the end of the day, we're all trying to seek peace. We do it in different ways. So my job is to try to help people try to find that center. Because as you mentioned, you're so right. I mean, A, you turn on politics, you turn on the news, and then people monetize anger. Like if you're angry, you tune in. If you're not angry, you're probably not going to wake up and flip on that tv switch but it's if you a tool are, you for will. engagement so, i mean it's you know it's it's wow. putting your uh your id uh and your uh, sort of your reptilian brain uh on the line to uh, create engagement and uh you know buy-in right 100 percent. so yeah you with i always tell people if a bear walks into the room your amygdala that fight or flight response is going to fire a message to those adrenal glands and say, watch out and start getting you ready to fight or run, whatever you need to do to protect yourself. But the same is true if someone says the right words, for instance, like we need to talk. That's what, that's, yeah. If you look at brain scan, that actually will do the same thing, whether you're being chased by uh, a threat or whether you're told something, right. your brain responds in the same way. Or it's your, the boss wants to talk to you or, hey, it's your mom on the phone. You know, that, that just triggers the same, you know, you can actually watch uh, an electrocardiogram or a blood pressure uh, curve uh, or measure cortisol, and you can see that, you know, same kind of response. Right. And so the challenge is this, and this is what I've dedicated the last 21 years of my life to. Um, I say there's a difference between speaking just to speak, like so you can be like, hey, I told them, or speaking so that you can actually be heard. And when people are defensive, when they are, they're ready to fight you on whatever you're about to say, they're not real open to listening. And you can keep talking at them, but that's not really going to do anything except feed your ego. Or you can circumvent that and speak with them and actually get your message across. And that's what I try to teach people to do. Well, you know, I must admit, I was in a social situation uh, uh, over the weekend. And, you know, I knew that uh, we're of divergent politics, let's put it that way, you know, among, in this group. Um, and I right. just, I swore up and down that I wasn't going to engage in a political argument, you know, because I, I like these people. They're, you know, friends and family members. And I just, I have to say, I I just went down that chute. You know, I just, it, I got, right. I, I got snicker, snuckered into having a confrontation, which I, I felt bad about because I raised my voice at the end of it. I literally went, my hands were shaking. I, you know, it's a kind of, uh, I, it took a while for me to calm myself because I just went right down that, you know, shoots and ladders. Right. Well, because I think that we're really, our, our egos really convince us that we're right. Our egos really convince us that our perspective is kind of the complete perspective. And that it's funny that if we have a tendency to believe that we're really deep and mysterious, but other people are shallow and predictable, especially if they disagree with us, like say on politics. Yeah. 
And, and that's called asymmetric insight. And the challenge with that is everyone has asymmetric insight. So we all actually are feeling like this. And as I'm sure Dr. Robert Fogel's research on certainty has demonstrated 35 years from the leading neuroscientists in the world, that certainty is actually an emotion. I mean, when you feel certain about something, that's why you're shaking. Like, that's why you're like, this is an emotion. I want to be, I'm so angry about this. It's not actually a, a cognition, but we convince ourselves that what we're thinking is intellectual or academic, but it's mm -hmm. actually, we're just very tied to what we believe. Right. And, you know, in these days, there are facts and there are alternative facts. And, you know, uh, you, you can literally, uh, you know, when it comes to diet, religion or politics, you know, you can silo yourself uh, to reinforce your beliefs. Uh, social media makes it easy for us to uh, uh, basically uh, fire or unfriend people who don't agree with us. <laughs> sure. And it's so you're, you're right. We, we have confirmation bias. Like when we, when we want to believe something, we will find, we will look for reasons to believe it. The challenge with that is this. And honestly, this is how I developed yield theory. Like, I think it's really easy to be skeptical of other people. It's easy to pick apart someone's argument. If you disagree with them, the challenge though is even though all of us would say, Hey, I still have more to learn in this life. As long as I'm alive, I still have more to learn. The reality is as soon as someone challenges you, you get defensive. And, and so do we really believe that? Do we really believe we have more to learn? So instead of just being skeptical of others, I actually became skeptical of myself. I became mm -hmm. skeptical of my own thoughts. And I said, what is it that I really do? I mean, I go into maximum security prison. I talk with people. What do I do? I actually, I either sit in a chair in private practice and talk to someone, or I stand at a cell door and talk to somebody. But what are my actions? And I realized I do three things. I listen, I validate, and I explore options. And although that seems like, hey, that's so easy. Obviously, everybody listens, validates, and explores options. I was actually speaking at a mental health conference a few years ago, and a woman came up to me at the break, and she was, <laughs> she was wildly condescending. And she said, so that's your big theory, three things. And I said, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but if you think about it, all Bruce Lee ever did was move, block, and hit. He did pretty well for himself. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if we reduce it to that. Well, there's mean, actually just, an it, interesting analogy between what you do and martial arts, uh, <laughs> you know, which, uh, you know, traditional uh, oriental martial arts actually uh, is based not on uh, you know, force and aggression and attack, but more, you know, kind of utilizing the energy of your opponent uh, to uh, diffuse basically the, the, uh, the, the encounter. Yeah. So I studied the martial art Aikido, uh, which is basically rooted in a push-pull philosophy. So if, if you push me, instead of pushing back, I pull, then you go flying and or the same is true. If you pull me instead of resisting, I go with you. And the same can be done with energy. Like when people are angry, you're not going to talk to their, you know, obviously if someone's uh, really astute in, in neurology, they're going to make it cringe if you reduce the brain to a couple aspects. But just for general public, like the reality is that our emotions are centered in the center or more toward the center of our brain or higher level thinking is more toward the front. And if you really want to engage that front part of someone else's brain, then you've got to help them get out of the emotional part. Mm -hmm. And that's a reality. And then once, once they get out of the emotional part, now they're ready to explore and actually talk about stuff. But most of the dialogue today's world is just, you know, anger mm -hmm. to anger. Mm -hmm. It's just emotion to emotion. Twitter is actually 
uh, the amygdala in 140 characters, I, I think. You know, you just see, I mean, <laughs> That's and, great. And, and cleverly, you know, insults that are just really clever. Sometimes they're just, you know, just out and out profanity, but that's the nature of the dialogue these days. It's pretty bad. Great. It is. And I think people hide behind anonymity. So if I can be anonymous, I get to say whatever I want. You can't hurt me. You can't say anything back to me. Um, And, and, and in that becomes, we, we dehumanize. So honestly, like life happens on a continuum. So if you think about this on a continuum, in the Nazi concentration camps, they used to strip people of their humanity. They would stamp them with a number. Mm-hmm. And in their minds, they could say, well, I'm just hurting this number. I'm not hurting a human being. I'm hurting this number. Mm-hmm. And But that, that same process actually happens every time you call somebody a name. You call them a name, this person's a jerk, this person's this or that. You're actually doing the very same act of objectifying that person, mm-hmm. which then allows you to go more and more at a, in attack mode versus really trying to understand that, look, just as one thing led to another in the story of your life, the same is true with everyone else. Indeed. This actually, in reading your book, it it sounds like uh, a combination of uh, psychology, uh, Zen Buddhism, maybe with a dash of uh, Christianity thrown in. Am I off base in suggesting that? No, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm do practice Zen Buddhism. I grew up. Well, I mean, I think, I think anytime you talk about Buddha, I'm sure that Christianity stuff can be thrown in as well. Um, but uh, you know what? Yeah, I, I think that is kind of what it is. Psychology with Buddhism is really the essence of what my approach is. And obviously, yeah, the Jesus and all that, his teachings were phenomenal and on that same kind of plane. So, yeah, I think all that's infused in there. But yield theory is does not connote surrender. It's not like, you know, turn the other cheek or if somebody strikes you. No. It's not as, it can't be boiled down to a simplistic no. Uh, no. thing. Yeah, and I love that you brought that up because that's, 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 that's important. So let's give, let me give you an example. So in, in state of California, if you commit a violent crime, you're sentenced to 52 weeks of anger management after you get out of prison or jail. So you might've already done your time, but then you have to spend another mm-hmm. 52 weeks in anger management. And, um, when we say accept or yield to someone, what my rules for this group, I, I co-founded a center out West and guys would come there. And what we found was people would graduate that group get off of parole and come back voluntarily. And it seemed unheard of, but here's where the yield aspect was. My rules were absolutely solid. So in other words, my group started at five o'clock and seven o'clock. If you came in at 501, you were late. You only had three lates in a 52 week period, that fourth late, and I'm calling your parole officer and you're going back to prison or jail. Mm -hmm. And I'm alive to tell the stories about what I did there even though many people, you know, not many, but several people had to go back to jail mm-hmm. and be called on that because I, I hold the consequences, but I, it's not me. I'm not tied to those consequences. So if you imagine me holding a water bottle and in that water bottle, I tie all of my consequences. If someone disagrees with those consequences, if they break the rules, if I'm holding on to that water bottle, I take it personally. But if I could take that water bottle and set it down away from me and realize mm-hmm. I'm not the rules, mm-hmm. I'm simply establishing rules. Mm-hmm. If you break those rules, you're not disrespecting me. You're not hurting me. You're just, you hurt yourself. You chose to come late. That's people would say, well, I'm sorry. I disrespected you. I say, well, you didn't disrespect me. Like I have to call your PO, you know, you know mm-hmm. what the consequences are. I'm not mad at you, but it is what it is. So it's not a matter of acquiescing or giving in to people. It's a matter of, 
not resisting their energy. So if someone gives me anger, I'm not saying you need to calm down. <laughs> you need to not be yeah, angry because right. they are angry. Don't don't say so that to honestly, a woman. I feel like Just don't, biggest, say, don't say that to a woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, here's here's what I think. I think I've found that. There's the just a, I, I have this tagline. I say there are two kinds of people in the world. I said there are people who have issues and dead people. So if you're alive, you got issues. And then on top of that, I say not not only just two people, but there's two kinds of worlds we live in. One world is what I call the cartoon world. This is like this is how it should be. So you're out at dinner with your friends. They should be adopting my belief system. They should see the logic in what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. But then there's the real world, how the world actually is. And as long as we align our expectations with that cartoon world, we're let down when the world isn't what it is. But the world's not letting us down. It's our own expectations. Yeah, honestly, a large portion of my career is devoted toward helping people align their expectations with reality and be more prepared for it. So a big issue these days is that uh, people, especially women, suppress anger and avoid conflict. I mean, I think there's a traditional role um, uh, stereotyping around that. Uh, but women, you know, men are, are maybe more fluent about expressing uh, anger. They, you know, play contact sports. Uh, they, you know, engage in fights, push each other around. Uh, you know, women uh, suffer because they bottle up their uh, anger. And your recommendation in the book is that you should, quote, walk through anger. What do you mean by that? So it's, I think to me, it's unrealistic to expect that we don't experience these intense emotions, or it's unrealistic to expect that we shouldn't have these experiences. We do have them. What I say is it's going to be there. We know now in 2019 that the brain doesn't ignore things. The brain might shift its focus, but it's not going to ignore it. It's going to stuff it down. It's going to come back out somewhere else when we're least expecting it. So taking that information and realizing that, we say, if we know we're going to have to deal with it, why not deal with it now? And there's a way to be assertive without being aggressive. And there's a way of understanding where your anger is really coming from that can help you deal with it. So I say instead of ignoring it or trying to pretend like it doesn't exist, i.e. the cartoon world, just rec- not just, but recognize the reality of what's in front of you and then prepare yourself for that and, and deal with that. So that's what I mean. Look, I have a great analogy in the book. I say this. If you in in the in gargoyles, let's say outside of Christian churches, mm-hmm. they had gargoyles, and, and historically those gargoyles were the the role of those gargoyles was if what's on the inside of the church is something that you believe is your 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 salvation, something powerful, spiritual for you, then to get there you have to go through, you have to see something scary and go through it, and those analogies are actually similar in many different religious Mm -hmm. traditions. In Buddhism, they say when you die, you're faced with either your worst fears or your most beautiful gods, and if you choose the beautiful gods, you get reborn as the lowest life form. If you choose your worst fears, you're able to walk through the you're able to walk through it and recognize. It's just a projection of what's inside of you. And so honestly, walking through anger is about dealing with stuff head on, but not in aggression, but with knowledge, with compassion, with understanding. And a theme that just keeps coming up again and again in your book uh, is this notion of non-attachment, which really, uh, I think, is a big concept in uh, Zen Buddhism. Uh, could explain how that's applicable to, to anger and personal conflict. Yes, it's, I think it's essential to practicing yield theory, whereas a lot of people 
you know, I've spent my life um, breaking down esoteric subjects and making them really simple for people. And when, when people see something and it's super simple, hindsight bias kicks in. They say, well, oh, I already know all this stuff. And it's funny, but the reality is that non-attachment is what makes you actually practicing yield theory. In other words, if you disagree with me, if right now you said, oh, that's a bunch of crap, instead mm-hmm. of me saying, oh, you're disrespecting me, I say, I'm not attached. I'm saying you're attacking what you've read, either about me or of my stuff. Mm-hmm. And I say, that's not who I am. So it's, it's learn to identify yourself. Look, it's easy to do it with material goods. Mm-hmm. So for instance, people might say, well, I have this beautiful watch or I have this beautiful car and that that's my identity. Well, if you lose that watch, you lose that car, you're not less of a person. You don't really lose your, mm-hmm. who you are. But now we, we might understand that around material goods, but what about our thoughts? Like if we all believe mm-hmm. we're still learning, then we're not our thoughts either. So in other words, we might have thoughts, we might be passionate about them. Mark Twain said, speak with conviction, but be open 100% that you could be wrong. It's non-attachment is understanding that we still have more to learn. It is leading with humility rather than leading with certainty, which now neuroscience kind of backs up that when we're leading with certainty anyway, we're not really being intellectual or or, or cognitive. We're being emotional. Well, you set uh, the stage beautifully for a discussion in part two of how we might uh, apply this. So, you know, we're going to get into the nitty gritty, of course, lots more detail in the book, Walking Through Anger, a new design for confronting conflict in an emotionally charged world. Uh, this, uh, folks, is in a very, very important uh, aspect of your total health portfolio because uh, you can be on the most uh, scrupulous diet, uh, you can exercise uh, daily, uh, you can get adequate sleep, and you can get uh, organic food and you know have uh, you know pure air and water. Uh, but if you're seething in anger, uh, it's going to have a detrimental effect on, on your health, no question. Uh, our guest is Christian Conti. Uh, Christian is a licensed professional counselor uh, trained in psychology and a level five anger management specialist from the National Anger Management Association. Wow, that's uh, that's like a, being a black belt in uh, <laughs> in conciliation. Right? Yeah, I so, love it. Yeah, it's great. Now, you know, it's it's funny because I, I've been fortunate to be you know, fortunate to get this, uh, you know, level five, uh, the other three people that I have are like 30 years older than I am. So they always joke with me. Like I'm, I feel grateful. I'm 46 and I've reached this level. I, I think, um, I'm honored definitely to have it for sure. That so 46, it took you a lot of years to process uh, this and develop this as uh, a methodology uh, and also facing some pretty hairy situations. We'll talk about that in, in part two of today's Intelligent Medicine podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is Intelligent Medicine. 